Story County The Mustang still runs free Eagle soars above the pinion pines And we know these horses stand for something That is precious and more rare Than all the silver and the gold from them old mines So let them run Hi, welcome to Horse Sense 101. I'm your host, Joe Jones, Vale, Oregon's resident redneck and owner of Joe Jones Performance Horses. Horse Sense 101 is a podcast dedicated to helping you have a meaningful relationship with your horse and for them to be a willing partner in all your adventures. The podcast is available every Monday morning at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. You can also find the podcast link, calendar, and news about our upcoming events on our webpage, www.horse-sense101.com, and sign up for our newsletter there as well. And if you have a moment and are so inclined, please leave a review on Podchaser. It's free, and I would really appreciate it. This week, I have the pleasure of visiting with the owner of Equine Body Balance, Tony Bashero. She has helped my horses be better, more comfortable, and athletic for years. She has an almost magical way with horses and brings a balanced and holistic approach to equine care and horsemanship. I know you and your horse will both benefit from what she has to say. Well, let's, be- let's begin. Um, we're visiting today with Tony Bashero of Equine Body Balance in Emmett, Idaho. Um, Tony, thank you so much for making time for us today. Um, could you... Could you tell us just a little bit about yourself, um, you know, your your childhood, you know, where you grew up? Okay. Um, and a, a little bit about yourself? Okay. Thank you, Joe, for asking me to come on and put my two cents in on Horse Sense 101. Um, I grew up in Pennsylvania, always loved horses. We just didn't have the means for me to fulfill that dream. Moved to Idaho when I was 28, bought my first horse when I was 30, sold my first horse when I was 31, because I didn't have much horse then. Um, At 31, I found my second horse and learned how to trim feet. So that's how this all started. Learned how to trim feet, and as that proceeded, took other courses in how to help myself maintain my own horse. And there was the learning curve, extreme and dramatic. So here I am at 52, 20 years later, still doing body work on horses, still educating myself. um, And how important it is to be your best steward for your land, your animals, yourself, and how that has paid forward over the last 20 years. So for for folks to know you you do more than you do more than just you know work on horses. Um, you have basically a holistic uh, a holistic approach to life. 
Um, would you care to speak about that just a little bit? Because I, I know, I know you're consistent in what you do. It's not just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, how you so work I, on horses. It's, it's how you take care of your ranch and how you take care of your home. Yeah. Um, so as I got into horsemanship and had to learn about horses myself, um, I took that to heart. You know, you, we always hear the concept of horses are our mirror. Well, sometimes my mirror was pretty ugly. And so therefore, I had to look inside and find out what was the horse trying to tell me? Why wasn't I getting my point across? Henceforth, why was the horse, in my opinion, back then not listening? When in essence, what it ended up being is I wasn't listening to the horse or the world. And so I live in a very, um, how shall we say, synchronized world. Um, I'm very grateful and thankful for the things that I've obtained and through knowledge and through um, things. You know, uh, I, I live on a 12-acre farm. I grow my own hay. I have chickens. I won't say I'm self-sustaining because my gardening skills slightly suck. Um, with that being said, I have a four acre field that a, a gracious farmer has taught me how to grow, um, incredible grass hay. And so I'm always able to feed my own livestock. Um, and through that, I, I branched off into understanding oils, understanding nutrition, Understanding what what does it take to actually balance your life between work, play, and um, work, play, and sometimes conflict, and how do we balance that all out? So it can be tricky, and yet at the same time, once you start to see the pattern of the horse or yourself or even the land. You can start to see where you can improve and other things that you can say, look, this is as good as that's going to get and be able to accept that reality. Hopefully I answered your question. No, I, 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 exactly what I, what I wanted to bring out. You know, a, a lot of people, you know, want, you know, they, they just want to go ride down the trail with their horse or they just want their horse to get in the trailer, or they just want to be able to saddle their horse. And there's this one right. task that they want to accomplish. But the reality is that in order for you to do that, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that's connected, right? right. If you don't have, if you don't have the first thing, uh, if you don't have that, that first thing down, right, that fifth thing is probably not going to be okay. Right. And so to help to help the new people out there who want to be horse people, because I was them when I was 30. I mean, I work with people now that have been doing horses since they were in the womb. They didn't even know they were riding a horse while they were in the womb. Next thing you know, why, why do they take to it so easily at the age of five? You know, here I am at 30 and I get on my first horse and my butt puckers so hard I come out of the saddle anyway. Um. So that being said, like you said, there's so many steps prior to getting to where you want to be. 
Um, so some of my steps were, people would tell me that horses were very expensive. And I, and I, my response to them was, what hobby is not expensive? <laughs> and so, you know, so that being said, I thought, okay, I'm going to learn how to trim feet. Well, now here I am 20 years later, 20, yeah, 22 years later. And how many people don't know what a good hoof looks like. And so then, therefore, if they don't know how a good, what a good hoof looks like, they really rely on their farriers. And we have got some great farriers out there. And we have got farriers that are just learning and farriers that were just learning that have become great farriers. And so it's real important for each horse owner to understand what does a good foot look like? Because that's the foundation. Literally, I have a book on my, on my shelf, No Hoof, No Horse. And it's, it's truly that. So then I took that concept a little further and I learned body work. Well, it's no different than building a house. If your foundation is crooked or off or not plumb, the rest of your house, no matter what the heck you do, is not straight. It's not plumb. It is crooked. It will lean. It will have cracks. The horse is no different. The chain of command, the chain of structure goes all the way to the top. And so understanding what that does for you and then understanding where are you each day, each day that you present yourself to your horse, where are you mentally? If you're in a bad mood and you expect them to do something for you, they're like, pee off. I'm not going to go do it. You know, change your attitude and I'll think about working with you. So horses teach you how to have a partnership and a relationship. And if you're not willing to look at some of the things that you might have, let's just say, askewed from reality, the horses will bring you into reality. And sometimes it's not so much fun. <clears throat> so... Tell me a little bit about the people that helped you with your journey. Um, um, okay, so I started out when I started. Hook I'm, I'm assuming you you probably after you after you got hurt, you, you may have rethought the whole process, and then when you got back into it, what what was your approach? Um, let's see here. Well, it, you know, injuries should always be something that kind of show up like a big red light or stop sign with flashing lights wrapped around it. What happened before what happened happened? You need to look at where were you mentally? Where were you physically? What were you expecting? And did you really know how to get to that result? And so when I came back from being injured, um, I really had to be very careful because there isn't a second time to injure myself the way I injured myself. And so it was stepping back and looking at self, looking at my expectations. Were they realistic? And had I taken all the proper steps prior to it? And that, that was the part that was a little rough. And I had to go back and relearn some things. And as I was doing that, um, body work was still on my forefront. Understanding how to structure 
and muscles and, and soft tissue. How does that all, how is that all connected? Not only within the horse, but within myself. Because here I am with a very large injury that I had to rehab from. And so it was kind of like life just said, oh, you need a, a bigger learning curve? Well, here you go. And with the equine touch, we also work with people because that's how we teach people how to use their hands, how to have a feel, how to understand depth, how to understand what they're feeling under their hands. And so I started taking equine touch. They call it VHT, vibromuscular harmonization technique. Too many words. Um, and that was my self-help and part of my rehab to being able to get back in the saddle, but also continue what my love, what my love was and wanted my next career to be, which is doing equine body work. So that's how that played forward. Okay. So, um, what, what exactly is equine body work? And and explain a little bit about what it is and how it differs from uh, chiropractic, if it does. Okay, so equine body body balance is my business name. Uh, it was my way to umbrella all the other modalities, which is another word for saying knowledge in other um, educations. So equine touch is a non-invasive, non-diagnostic modality of a massage choreographed in a certain sequence to create relief and release in the horse's body throughout. So that being said, what body work can do for the horse is not only do we release the tension but we release anxiety. So tension can be emotionally or physically or structurally. And then we have anxiety, which is obviously emotionally. Well, sometimes when things are stuck and they can't move, we all know that horses are prey animals. So if they can't get the heck out of the way, whether it be from us, the trailer, or the herd, they're going to panic or they're going to have anxiety. So then there's going to be tension. So now we're dealing with muscle tension along with mental tension. So equine touch can help teach the horse owners how to release the emotional tension along with the muscular tension. And now the horse looks at you differently. Now you're building an in-depth relationship with your horse. So how does that relate? How does all that information relate to possibly chiropractic? Well, if we release the tension out of the horse, and we have the muscles that are no longer pulling, then that allows structure to go back to where it naturally should be. And you think to yourself, well, what happened to the structure? Why did it get pulled out of the scenario? Well, maybe your saddle doesn't sit right. Maybe your hands aren't that soft when you're working the reins. Maybe you have too strong of a bit because your hands are too strong. So then you collect the horse up too fast, too readily. So now you've got tension in the top of the head, the middle of the neck, and the center of the chest. 
it could, that could be one scenario. Your saddle doesn't fit right. So your horse is trying to figure out how to get comfortable with something that's uncomfortable. So maybe they're going to put one leg forward. Maybe they're going to stand one leg behind. Now we're talking about front legs and back legs. Maybe the horse is going to camp out. Camping out meaning the front legs go forward past the shoulders and the back legs go past the stifle. And they're trying to dip away from the saddle. Or maybe they just start bucking. Why? Because the saddle's pinching their shoulders and the shoulders really can't roll in a natural form to actually move forward. So with when you release all the soft tissue and you release the muscles, it gives the ability for structure to go back into natural state. Um, other things that are under my umbrella of equine body balance is there is some structural changes that I've been taught how to do. Um, there are other modalities such as orthobionomy, which is a DO, which is doctor of osteo. I've been studying that since 2014 and how gentle and non-invasive that work is. And you can get things to change and you can literally watch a horse's stature become more square, more balanced, more level. The head drops, the tail comes straight, the back looks longer. So it's all connected in all the aspects. Let's go back to foot care. If you have a, a toe that's too long or a heel that's too high, that changes how that shoulder is and functions. So truly understanding the foundation of a horse, which is the hoof, allows you to understand where the structure should line up. And then add yourself as a rider. You, your, how you sit on the horse is going to be negated by the type of saddle that you're riding in. So your discipline of choice, are you sitting appropriately in the saddle so that your weight is distributed and carried by the horse and the tree of the saddle appropriately? And all these things, when they're not in alignment, will create misalignment in the horse. And yourself. So it's not just it's not just as simple as, as um push a little here, push a pull a little there, and voila, your horse is fixed. There's a whole bunch of other right. things that have to be right really before you can have an effect. Correct. You know, if if the saddle is incorrect, then no matter what I do, I can correct or help. That's, that's probably the best word. I can help things change. Yet if you're going to go ahead and put the saddle on that doesn't fit right, the, the horse is going to do the same body mechanics that it needs to do to continue to move forward and do what's being asked of him or her. Same way, if the bit is too aggressive or not aggressive enough, um, and you haven't had any dental work done, then there, there's another option of how tension in the jaw can create tension throughout the whole body. Most of the time, if a horse has a tendency to have tension in the jaw, they will end up with very crappy knees on their front legs. 
So, and if a saddle is ill-fitting, that's what will make a young horse look swayed back, or that's what will make a, 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 a horse look swayed back. It'll make horses want, want to buck. It'll make them be able to only carry you for so long, and then they get crappy with you and don't want to do their job anymore. So my comparison is to help people understand it's no different than if you were to wear a shirt that really didn't fit you right. Let's say it's too small, but it's the only shirt you have. And you still have to wear that shirt seven days a week. There's going to be parts of your skin that are going to get chafed because that shirt doesn't fit right. There's going to be parts of your body that are going to want to move away from that shirt because it doesn't fit right. So you think about it like that. If you're going to buy a saddle, go to somewhere where the, that somebody can truly help you fit a saddle. Because if you're going to plan on sitting in it for two hours, you better plan that it's, that it's comfortable. And if you don't plan on that, then you better just go ahead and wear that shirt that doesn't fit you well while you're riding in the saddle that doesn't fit the horse well. And you and your horse's attitude will mirror each other. <clears throat> so talk a little bit about, about saddle fitting. I mean, not just anybody can, can determine that. I mean, what are the, what are the signs that you typically look for so that you know that a saddle is fitting correctly? Um, a lot of the times, the withers are a, a you know, the you know, uh, withers will tell you whether or not a saddle fits. The back loin um, will tell you whether or not a saddle fits. How the barrel or the rib, the middle of the horse, will tell you how a saddle fits um, to a body worker. Because the withers, you know, the minute you touch the withers, the head will come up or they'll want to reach around and bite you. If the barrel has been uncomfortable, the minute you run your hand down the barrel, which is their be uh, the side of their body, there may be what we hear the word called cinchy, or maybe just the fact that you've touched them there, they turn around and, and give you the stink eye. The lower lumbar, you go to, and the lower lumbar's on the top of them before their hips. If you go and you feel that, and that's tight, and they kind of just raise their head with curiosity or concern. You can kind of kind of go, okay, how does the saddle fit? Or what discipline do you ride? You know, if there's if they're reining horses and they're doing slide stops, sometimes that, that saddle could be a great fit. But maybe they just came out of a competition and they've had to do several slide stops, or the person that's riding them is new to understanding the pattern, and so they're over we'll say over exercising the horse the horse may know what to do but the human does not um we all have learning curves and thank god that they are who they are meaning the horses that they're willing to allow us to have to repeat something 20 times when they got it in the third try so there's times that the saddle may fit well but the person's learning curve is what has um overdone the muscular and structural part of the horse because the human is trying to learn how to cue right, uh, learn the pattern, um, truly feel what softness feels like, uh, just 
hell, it could be show nerfs for all I for all I know. And that's in any discipline. I just picked raining as a possibility. It right. can happen in it can happen in working cow. It can happen in ranch work. It it it's it, any discipline, any time that we are learning as humans, we have the tendency to repeat things. And there's times that the horse needs us to repeat things so that they understand what our cue is going to be. Because maybe we're just not the horse train, we're the owner. Uh, let's see. What um what what how how do how would I just as a as a typical horse owner how would uh-huh. I know if I need to get some help? What What are some of the things that that we as horse owners can do to know that? Okay, you know we we so, need to call you. Okay, so let's say let's say you're not even a competitive person, and you're just a person that loves horses, wants to ride horses, wants to go down the trail. Maybe every now and again, you're going to show up to ranch riding or or team sorting or um, the equine trail sports or raining. You know, you decide, you know, okay, I'd like to learn a little bit more about this discipline. Well, you take your horse in and and you're riding. Let's just say it's your normal trail riding day and all of a sudden your good old faithful decides to be not so good and not so faithful. So you have to kind of look back and go, so what happened before this happened? Did we go to one of those clinics or did we have a really hard trail? We didn't expect the trail ride that we, that we went on because we went with a new group of people. And so here you are a day or two later, you're riding in your normal trail ride and the horse decides to be not normal, whatever that may be. That's when you kind of start looking back and go, what did I do before this happened? Oh, that's right. Maybe I, there was a slip. Maybe the fact it was the, a really long trail ride and they're tired, they're plain tired, um, or the fact that the trail ride was so long that there was some physical things that went on. So that might be an indicator of when you need to call. Or you go and you try a new discipline or you've been doing a discipline and so you've been practicing, you're getting good. Now you have a show. So the horse worked five days in a row. Then the horse went and did a show for the, for three days and only you only gave it two days off. Well, in essence, the horse is probably really tired, not only mentally tired, but physically tired it could use in that two days off, it could use body work to allow the, we were talking earlier about the anxiety mentally and the anxiety of muscles being pushed to their limit. That creates a physical anxiety. So that might be a time that you may want to say, hey, we need some body work here to release the last 10 days. Let's give the, let's get the, as scheduled, give the horse a couple days off. And then maybe the next week, we won't train five days. We'll train four days or three days just to allow the body to have a break. Because we have, there's a lot of people out there that don't look at horses as their athletes. Or there's people out there riding horses that have never been athletes themselves. 
So if we were to do what we do to our horses, imagine the incredible shape would be, be we would be in. So people might say, well, I'm the one that's riding it. How am I not in good shape? Okay, well, can you do the calisthenics that you're asking your horse to do? Can you stand on one leg, reach with your opposite arm forward, and still keep your core tight? That's a, that's a departure move. You're going to load one foot. You're going to ask for one lead. And that's going to happen between two legs. And then the other two legs kick in. Now, you're going to practice that for a half hour. So I'd like you to practice that same maneuver. Put yourself on the floor. Make yourself a quadruped. And practice that maneuver for the next half hour. And tell me how your core feels. So it's actually getting people to understand where the biomechanics of their body and the biomechanics of the horse's body, they have to be just as fit as their horse. If you're expecting that horse to carry you and you not be able to carry yourself in the saddle as a self-seated person, now that now that horse is not only carrying the weight of your saddle, but it's carrying your weight as a human. <clears throat> you know, that that's um that's a point that's near and dear to my heart. I I've you know, I I'm I'm a large guy. Um, you know, I'm I'm 6'2 and 200 and way too many pounds. And yeah. so I've often I've often worried about, you know, my posture, my seat, my athletic ability needing to be you know, stepped up. Um, if I if right. I expect my horses to be athletic, I, I don't think right. it's fair to not expect the same of myself. Correct. Um, and so there are sometimes when I go trail riding, or when I started trail riding, because that's that's my near and dear. Dear. I've competed in some things. Never was very great at it, but I'm not a competitive person. Um, I think to myself, okay, I'm going to go on a two-hour ride. Let's say something goes wrong in this two-hour ride, wherever I'm riding. Do I have the capacity to get off my horse and walk out? Let's just say my horse can't carry me because we went over a piece of deadfall that sliced open a cannon bone or... um they got stuck in a bog and they pulled their inner thigh muscle and now they're they're three-legged. Can I walk out with them in hand? Not only do I have the horsemanship to walk with my horse in hand online and not have them run me over, but do I have the physical capability to walk that horse out and not expect them to carry me while they're dead ass lame? So it's a food for thought. That's a great point. Absolutely a great point. Um, you know, we we expect much of our horses, um, and, and I, I often think that maybe we don't. You know, we expect a lot of ourselves mentally, but really, a, a lot of I me mean, and and I've 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 told a lot of students this is that that this whole horseback riding is a fairly athletic event, um, even yep. even trail riding can be a very athletic event. Um, I hadn't really ever thought about the whole 
having to walk one out. I mean, I've, I've had to have some long walks, but I, God's blessed me with pretty, pretty good health. So I, I, I've, I've never, you know, I, I've never not been able to do that. Um, but I, I've always believed that the stronger that, that horse horseback riding requires strength in our core, you know, nearly as much as it requires strength in the horse's core. And, right. and so I think it behooves all of us that if we want to ride horses and, you know, we're going to exercise our horse and get our horse in shape. Um, I don't think it's unfair um, where I, I think it is unfair for us to do that to our horse and not require the same of ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> and, um, and it's huge. Um because that's exactly it. We expect them to pack us around. That's a pretty self-centered outlook. Would you? I I would never expect one of my friends, near and dear to my heart, I would not expect them to carry me through something if I don't have the capacity to carry them through something. That's what a partnership's about whether it's be in, be, between friends, whether it's between a man and a woman, whether it's between uh, a human and an animal or an animal to an animal. That's why they're herd animals. They expect each part of that herd to have a participation in that herd, whatever it may be. We all have a purpose. We just have to be the best at our purpose. We don't have to be the best. We just have to be very good at what we're expected to do in this lifetime. That's that's a, <clears throat> that's a really important point. Um, so we, we've talked about, you know, uh, doing something with our horse that's that's you know fairly athletic demanding um, that mm -hmm. you know, would certainly make us sore. So that might be a point where we we would want to uh, to get the horse looked at, um, or or if we've you know we discover the saddle is ill fitting. What what are some other signs that that we might see? to know that, uh, that our horse needs help? Um, if they start to act out of their normal character, and what does that mean? Maybe they don't want to be haltered. Maybe they don't want to be caught. Um, maybe they're really grouchy when they're getting saddled, which is not what has been the normal. Um, maybe they're not taking a lead as we're learning how to do lead changes, or maybe we already know how to do them. And we've been doing them, and they're proficient at it. And then all of a sudden, one day, you go to ask for a lead change, and they give you a a, a, um, a crossfire in the back end, which means that something's going on. The front end is doing one thing. The back end is doing the opposite. And you feel like you're sitting in a mixing bowl trying to crush nuts. You know, you're just, you can't even sit it. Um, so those are some of the ideas. They, it could be you're going down the trail and all of a sudden you have a downhill and the horse goes extremely slow or the horse starts to just stop. And they're in their mind, they may be thinking, could you just get off and walk me down? Or maybe they're thinking, this is so painful. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, they could also have that on the uphill trying to go uphill they start and they get really slow 
Um, so we've covered, you know, if there's a competition going on, if what they were doing in performance all of a sudden isn't performing as well, if they're just going down the trail because you're a trail rider um, and they decide that they can't go downhill or uphill, or you come down a hill and they're on the stretch and you're just trying to catch up with everybody else and they can't catch up, then that tells you that the downhill was probably either their last physical straw. In other words, it's been a long ride and they're tired or something happened on the downhill. Maybe the ground wasn't so um, stable. Maybe you were going down on shale. Maybe it was muddy. Maybe it was um, hard pan and they were literally sliding. Anyway, so these are all thoughts to think about of why you think, well, gosh, I didn't think that that trail ride was that hard. Or I didn't think I worked them too hard before that competition, but I couldn't get my right lead that day and my score was down. Those are times that you're going to look and go, it's probably time for body work. It's probably time for somebody to look at this horse and release the tension out of the body or see where the structure is and help put the structure back into normal. Now, the, these things, these these can also be things that happen maybe when they're out, out with their buddies in the pasture, uh, biking and playing. Um, oh, true. Th- th- those are also sometimes right that that things may go may not go go right for our horse. Yeah, correct, Joe. Thank you for bringing that up. It it could be just the season. You know, it's springtime or it's fall time, and it's muddy and slick. But yet they're all out there oh, having themselves happy. a good time. Well, next thing you know, somebody decides to bite somebody in the tail end and they go to scoot off. Well, rather than their feet having a grip, the feet slide out from under them. So that could do it. It could be while they're out in the herd playing and having good horse time. So it doesn't have to be a trauma at the end of the day. It doesn't have to be a trauma. It doesn't have to be something so grandioso that we notice while we're riding or that we don't see because we're not on the property while the horses are playing. It can be something that simple, that the body just got tired, the ground got sloppy. So, um, go ahead. So, so, so it could be, you know, virtually anything. They, they could have, you know, like us, just not, you know, laid down and got up wrong. Yeah. Oh, heck, how many of us have rolled out of the wrong side of the bed? And we think, well, shit, we should probably go back to bed give it five minutes and roll off the other side. Try that again, right? Right. I mean, plenty of country songs have been that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that brings up a a thought I have is, is. So what can be fixed um, and what can't be fixed? Um, The can't be fixed. In in my years of experience, the things that I've found that I I can't help with, that maybe even a vet can't help with, um, is a sacrum saddle tear or an injury that has torn a muscle or gone through a muscle and now we're depleted of muscle. Um, the sacrum saddle tear has... Unfortunately, it's near and dear to my heart because so many times it happens on the older horses. They've gotten down to roll or they've gotten down to just sleep and the ground is unstable 
when they go to get up, whether it's slick or whether it's sandy or um, they get startled and feel feel like they have to jump jump to save themselves and stand up. Um, that's a rough one. That 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 kind of pulls on my heartstrings. Um, sometimes it may happen in a younger horse, and if you take the time to rehab them gently, slow and steady, they'll they'll recoup from it and never have another problem. In the older horses, sometimes what we haven't noticed is that they do have one hind leg stronger than the other, or they have a front end that doesn't have the capacity to help them pull themselves up. Um, so there's that one. Uh, sometimes we just point blank have some stupid injuries while they're out in the field and they've torn a pec muscle or they've torn an arm, a uh, forearm muscle, or maybe they've backed up into something and there's the hamstring or the glute that has gotten damaged somehow. Um, so those are the injuries that I have seen over my experience that all you can do is maintain them for where they're at. If you're missing muscle, you're flat just missing muscle. If the tear was such an extreme tear and you actually have a longer muscle than you need, or the tear has torn and then spring-loaded back, and now you have a shorter muscle than what is what is needed, all you can do is be taught how to massage it, loosen it, and maintain it. And it is for the rest of the horse's life. And, and so some of those injuries are the ones that all you can do is maintain. So let's say, let's say I have one of these horses that requires constant maintenance that, that is going to need that. Um, yeah. Is, is this something that I can learn to do myself or is this something that I'm, I'm, you know, like the person who has to go to a chiropractor three times a week for the rest of their life? Um, so, weigh in on so weigh like, in on that if you would. Okay. So some of the injuries, I myself will go ahead and teach the owner techniques to maintain the horse. One, it saves them money. Two, it builds a better stewardship between the horse and the horse owner. And the horse owner starts to pay a lot closer attention and has a better understanding of what's involved in owning an animal. And creating a good relationship. Uh, some of it is, I do teach clinics. Well, I don't. I student teach um, clinics twice a year. Sometimes it, it ends up having to be. You're going to have to come see somebody like myself two or three times a year. I'm going to teach you these couple of things to keep it maintained. But every two or three times a year, you're going to need me. Because the maintenance is only going to go so far. It just, it, it depends on the severity of each situation. But as long as the owner is committed to helping the horse and wanting to help themselves, everything can be handled. And it's not just, it's not just massage, right? I mean, it's, the, it, it's no. a whole horse, a whole horse, it's yeah. dentistry right. and, and. Foot care. Um, and foot care, um, conditioning, nutrition. Um, if, if you yep. would, would you would you speak? Because because I know you know a lot about this. Um, talk to me. Talk to us a little bit about how nutrition 
affects the the body balance of a horse. Okay. So if we are in the reserve tank, let's look at the body, our body, their body, cat's body, dog's body, I don't care whose body. We look at the body and it has a fuel gauge. And some fuel gauges have a reserve tank. So let's say the horse is in the reserve tank, which means they're already past empty. This is the last gallon of whatever before you're truly at fumes or dried out. So when you run yourself or any animal past the reserve tank, you cannot expect performance. Not only could you not expect performance, but you can't expect life. You can't expect vitality. You can't expect willingness. And you can't expect learning ability. Because the, the, everything is living on the bare minimal to almost exhausted. So when you can find the right formula or the right product for you or yourself or your animals, um, you will get better performance. You'll get vitality. You will get a shiny horse. You'll get a long mane and tail. You'll get liveliness and sparkle out of the eye. You'll get good hooks. And there's plenty of companies out there that can provide a good product. I am of the belief that less is more. If I have to eat two cups of something to keep my own body in balance, Yet that those two cups of something, let's say, consumes all my calories for the day. Really, how good is that product? So I, in my own self and with my own horses, less is more. I would rather spend spend money well rather than poorly spend good money. So for myself, I take good vitamins. Um, and somebody might say, well, how do you know what is a good vitamin? Do the research. Do the back search on it. Same with your animals. Um, and then watch what it does for you. See how you respond to it in 120 days. Because it takes 120 days to create a new normal. No matter whether you change your diet, change your vitamins, change both. Change your habits. It takes 120 days to come to your new normal. Me, you, horse, cow, man on the moon. It takes 120 days. Um, because your, your first 30 days is now you've changed it. The next 30 days is your body detoxing from what you did to what you're doing now. The next 30 days after that, now we're at 90. The body starts to say, oh, so this is where what I can do with this. The next nine, the next 30 days, now we're at 120. That's your new normal. At the end of that last 30 days, which is four months out, that's your new normal. Because at the 90-day mark, that's your body getting used to the regiment that you brought it to. So the first night, 30 days is the body going, what the heck, you've just changed me. The next 30 days, which is now 60 days, the body's going, oh, man, I've got to get rid of this stuff and start accepting this stuff. The next 30 days is 90 days out. This is your new, your body's going, oh, I like the way this works or I don't like the way it works. 
but you don't like the way it works, it's probably going to happen in the first 60 to 90 days. If things are all working well and you start to see improvement, and that improvement might be hair, nails, skin, attitude, athleticism, mood. Now you're at that 90-day mark. Well, heck, I like what I'm seeing. That 120-day, that's your new normal. So after that last day on the, at four months, 120 days, you should expect day number, you know, day number 120, 121, 141 to be the same. Because now that's your new normal. And you'll start to see your hair, hair, feet, teeth, attitude, body, weight, all of that is going to change. So when you, no matter what you choose, you need to give it a good 90 days. If in 90 days you're still not seeing an improvement, then probably there's something in the chemistry of that that isn't working for whatever you're feeding it to, yourself, the cat, the dog, the horse. So that's a little bit of what I know about nutrition is do your research. Be willing to be committed to one or two changes because if you change your whole gamma, you won't know what was working and what wasn't working. And then wait that hundred and hundred and uh, four months. <clears throat> Talk a little bit of, if you would, I, I, I'm guessing you have probably had some, some success with senior horses. What, what is your favorite regime for feeding a senior horse? Um, my favorite regime, if they have teeth, this will give you a second opinion. If they have teeth, um, a lot of it is grass hay. In the wintertime, I might throw in a little bit of alfalfa hay. They'll get a mix. With my senior horses, I like to keep them on grass hay as much as possible. If they're not keeping their weight, then I have to look at where is their dental. If the dental is good, then I'm going to go into their parasite control. Where are their parasites, a.k.a. worms? Where are they on that? And if I worm and I'm still seeing that, hey, you know, I'm feeding them a boatload of hay and they're still having a rough time, I'm going to make sure, and I make sure of this all the time, do they have a trace mineral selenium block? Do they have a vitamin mineral salt mix access? And do they have just a regular vitamin that's just a, like the ones I use now are dynamite vitamins? And it's just a regular dynamite vitamin. It's 30 cc's. It's one ounce. It's not a cup of anything. It's one ounce. And I make sure that they get that. So they, the trace mineral selenium block is out. The horse vitamin mineral mix, which is a loose, salty mix, is out. It's, and those are at free choice. The vitamins, the dynamite regular vitamins, I give the 30 cc's, which is one ounce. I just walk out and hand feed it to them. And the other thing I make sure that they have is Dynapro, which is a prebiotic. Why do I like that over a probiotic? Because it's a fermented product. In other words, it will ferment into whatever probiotic is missing in the gut to create a balanced gut. Rather than giving them a tube of probiotics, 
If you have five probiotics and you're missing three, and you give them a tube of probiotics and it has all five, you're still missing three. It still doesn't balance it off. Where if you use a prebiotic, which is fermented and can ferment, you know, we all understand the word kombucha. We all understand the word fermented because there's so much in the human world that has a digestive problem now. So if it's a fermented product and it hits the gut, it ferments or changes into whatever probiotic is out of balance and allows the gut to calm down and simmer down. So that's how you can keep your older horses good. We're talking about a solid vitamin, a prebiotic, and can they eat hay and truly emulsify it? Now, if they have poor teeth, because, you know, some of us have good teeth, some of us have bad teeth, and they can't, then we need to be able to go, okay, they need a Timothy alfalfa pellet or cube. It needs to be wet down. We need to make sure that there's a prebiotic in that so that they have enough digestive enzymes because they don't have that chewing ability anymore because chewing the food helps with digesting the food. And then at the same time, I'm still going to give them the same vitamins. Um, and then that way you're able to keep that mature horse healthy. You just have to be willing to put put in the effort and then sometimes the finances. Because you have to buy feed rather than be able to let them graze or be able to throw hay, which is sometimes cheaper than going and buying a bag of pelleted or cube feed when you have to feed 15 to 20 pounds of it a day. Yeah, it can get very, very expensive. I, I, I absolutely understand it. Um, yeah. So the, the, the bottom line is, is, is your, your dental condition of your horse of an older horse can play a major, a major factor. Yes. A huge factor um, because in, here are my, uh, I, I have two adult, um, I have two, I call them grandma and grandpa. I have two elderly horses that are, are only a year apart. And the one that's a year older has absolutely no upper teeth. It, it still has its front teeth, but it has no, no molars at all. And he is the guy that gets a Timothy alfalfa cube wet down. The other one has a full set of teeth. All I have to do is make sure that she gets grass hay, a, pro, a prebiotic, and her vitamins. And she's fat, happy, and sassy. The other guy, Timothy Alfalfa Cube, 15 to 20 pounds, wet down, prebiotic, and his vitamins. And he's fat, happy, and sassy. So you have two horses that are only a year apart and cost-wise very much so different. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Um. So. Um. What do you What do you look for? Um. I, I've got an opinion, but I'm going to keep it to myself. But talk to me about what you look for in someone that does your dental care. I am. I'm looking for an actual equine dentist. I'm not saying that vets cannot be an equine dentist. 
but I want to know that the vet has gone further on in their in their knowledge of dental than what they've just learned in vet school. Those those men and women have so much to learn about so many different animals in veterinary school. It's not like they even get the choice to, I just want to do large animals. They still have to start out with, here's your veterinarian care. And then at some point they get to diversify. So I want to know that the vet that has just said, you know what? I really like dentistry. I'm going to go to a dental school and take, and take this piece of knowledge several steps higher. Or I'm going to look for an equine dentist that works with a veterinarian. And, and the reason the veterinarian needs to be there is out of legality and respect. Just like myself, I don't, you know, if there's things that come to my forefront that an animal has going on and I don't really have an idea or a grasp on it, I'll ask them to go see a vet first. Or I'll tell them, I've done as much as I can do. You're going to need a, a, a second opinion from a vet that actually does lameness. So that's how I look at it. I, I'm going to say, I need a dentist that's either a veterinarian dentist or a dentist that works with a veterinarian so that I have all my bases covered with this horse. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to look for somebody who already does, who has specialized in that field. And I, I explain it to people. Like, I don't go to my GP to get my dentist done. I go to my dentist. Nor do I go to my dentist and say I'd like my annual exam. So, <clears throat> absolutely, I, I, I believe it's critical. Yeah, I think it's very much so critical, and that that, that and training. I, I've seen I've seen so many problems caused with just an, on an older horse with 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 someone without training with a float, you know, scraping off the last vestige of teeth that the horse has, um, yeah. in the name of making a profit, yes. un unknowingly yeah. causing the end of the horse. Well, and it's so interesting because I have, I, I got to have that experience. I have one, like I said earlier, I have two horses. They're a year apart. One can eat hay and stay fat and sassy. One has not been able to eat hay for four years. So that owner boards the horse and still has to buy a pallet of Timothy alfalfa pellets three to four times a year just so that the horse can exist. I mean, to me, that's crazy. And one horse I know has been, has been cared for by an equine dentist or AKA a vet that has gone further on in their dentistry. The other horse has been just by a vet. And so there's a, to me, there's, a, there's a huge difference. So let, let's just, for example, let's say we, uh, we own horses and we live in Colorado. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're really fortunate here in the, in the greater Treasure Valley, uh, you know, Eastern Oregon, Western Idaho, Southwestern Idaho, to have, to have you as a practitioner. Um, but for those that don't have access to you, um, talk a little bit about how do we find someone to help us with a horse, um, with, with these, with these, balance issues 
Okay, so because the instructor I I co-teach with, she comes from Colorado. So as long as they're referred by a vet or work in conjunction with a vet, it's a pretty cohesive um, dynamic. So you would have to just look look up or call your veterinarian and say, hey, I think I need body work or I think I need some type of PT person, physical therapist. Or is there a chiropractor, a veterinarian chiropractor around? You'd have to ask your local vet because all the laws across the 50 states are very much so different. And we are extremely blessed in Idaho to not have to have that the extreme that it can get to. Um, in the classes that I've taken and the, the modalities I've become a practitioner in, there are some states you have to be a licensed vet to touch the horse. Or you have to be referred to or work alongside of a veterinarian to get the job done. So um, I do dearly respect the vets that I get to work with or the vets that, that are like, will refer me to one of their client horses. I don't step out of my realm or my box, and they don't pretend to be bigger than their box. And that takes a lot of respect and due diligence. Um, so that would be my thing. If, if somebody lives in a different state, then ask your vet if they have a referral. And if they don't have a referral, then you might need to go into your friend, your friend side and say, you guys know anybody who does body work you know um i choose so how, not how do i know let, let's just go ahead no no go ahead finish please well i choose not to use the word chiropractor by any means because a i'm not b do i get things to structurally change yes sir i do but out of respect for the vet that i have worked for or worked with there are times that, like I said earlier, I can do what I can do. And if the horse is still lame, I'm going to look at them and say, you need to go get some x-rays. We need to know what's going on inside this body. Or you need to change your farrier. This farrier needs to understand a little bit more. Or maybe if you got a set of x-rays, then we'll all have a better understanding of what's going on in this hoof. Uh, hoof, fetlock, knee, elbow, hock, we may have a better understanding. Why is this horse standing that way? So it's being able to, to open up and allow and not be and not be the perfectionist and not be the know-all and not be the best person. Realize that sometimes it does take a village to raise a horse or a child or a human be, to, to just be humble enough to say, hey, I need help. So so really then we can, you know, with, with the proper referral, um, yes. we can just look at the results. If we have someone work on our horses, the, the ultimate litmus test is, are we getting the results we need? Are right. 
did this work for me? Are we seeing a change? Are we seeing the different? Is our horse going back to pre-injury conditions? Correct. Correct. And, you know, um, at the same time, what did the horse think of it? What did I think of it while I was going through it with my horse? There are sometimes it can be a complete personality clash. There are some people that work better with other people than other people. That's just nature. Not everybody has to be your friend or has to be somebody that you want to work with or has to have the best bedside manner. So if, if, so if, so if somebody wants to learn this themselves, um, I, I believe you, you said you, you co-teach or you student teach. Um, Correct. Th- this, this information or, or what you do, um, if you have the time and, and, and the desire, this can be learned by by pretty much anyone. Is that right? Well, one of the modalities that I, I, I know or utilize, yeah. I teach or co-teach, you're right, co-teach twice a year. And it is one of probably six, five, five different modalities that I do. Like my sessions aren't just one strict modality. My sessions are a toolbox of information. So can is there one modality that can be taught to the average person? Yes. And does it make them better stewards? Yes. Does it teach them a way to help themselves? Yes. Does it create a better, um, they call me and go, okay, Tone, I did my level one, or I've done my level one and my level two. And I still can't quite figure it out. Great. Great. Let's set up an appointment. Let's get through it. Let's talk about it over the phone. Is it something that within my knowledge bucket that I can help you with? Or do we really need to have a vet look at it and have some x-rays? So that's what's cool about the equine touch is that it gives the, the horse owner the ability to start helping themselves more and become a better horse owner. And then the vet starts to respect them more and because they have a better understanding of the horse. We all have to remember, vets are no different than doctors. We live with ourselves and we live with our animals. The vet or the doctor sees us in a moment of downturn for a snapshot. They don't know who we are on the average, because if they did, we'd be freaking in the doctor's office way too much. Either that or they're a good friend of ours. So we have to remember that we understand our horses or our animals better than the vet does, providing that we're good stewards. Just like good stewards of our own body. We know when it's time to call and say, you know what, doc, I need some help. This, this, and this is not my normal. Same with the, the, the horse. The horse isn't acting on its norm. And if the, the doctor is good or the veterinarian is good, however you all want to put it, they're going to say, well, give me your story. Because there's going to be something that you're going to say that tells us what happened before what happened happened. And we'll be able to go, so when this happened, did you notice several days or several weeks later that this happened? And it starts... Because the person does live in that scenario and in that world all the time, they do need help being jarred 
into reminding themselves that, oh, that did happen, and obviously it did leave an impression. So that's where your veterinarians and your doctors come in because they're not there all the time. They can point out the obvious because we are there all the time. Sometimes we miss the obvious. Excellent information. <clears throat> well, Tony, it, it, it's been just absolutely wonderful having you join me today. And um, how can our listeners get in touch with you? What what could we do if we want to, if we want to get help from you? How do we go about that, please? Um, you can always text or call me. That would be 208-890-0629. I am on Facebook under Equine Body Balance. Um, I work out of locations. I don't do home visits because I don't have the time to drive around. Um, so they'd have to be willing to trailer to a location that is by them or has an opening. That would be the best way to get a hold of me, get on my schedule. Um, I am here located in Emmett. Um, I do have an easy access driveway. That is one of my common questions. I do have an easy in-out access driveway. Um, I can testify that to that. Be- you know, a, a four-horse, a four-horse living quarters trailer will go in and out of of your driveway. Correct. And then you also operate out of out of several seventeen different locations. Several major training facilities yeah. here in, in in Western Idaho. Correct. Correct. So some of the facilities do not allow people to trailer in. Some of the facilities do. So, um, you know, that's why I, I do work from Emmett two days a month because of obviously the home is the home and the farm are always open and allow anybody to trailer in or out. And we can handle check. We've handled up to 53 feet of trailer and truck. <laughs> You can be 53 feet long and get in and out of here. Um, so, yeah. Well, Tony, I, I, I really I really appreciate you making the time tonight. Um, it's been great information. I know it's going to be helpful. It will certainly help our horses. Um, God bless you, and, and thank you again very much. You have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Joe, for asking me, and it's been a great evening. We will talk to you soon. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much, Tony, for sharing this time with us and helping us understand how much connection there is within our relationship with our horses and how we can better care for their needs. Thank you so much for joining me on Horse Sense 101, a podcast dedicated to helping you have that meaningful relationship with your horse you always wanted to have. Please tell your horsey friends about us and invite them to join us on our Facebook group, Horse Sense 101. And every Monday for our podcast available at 6 a.m. Mountain Time. Tony Brashero. I am also grateful for you, my listeners, and my wife and friends who helped make this podcast possible. God bless you all and have a wonderful rest of your week. The Mustang still runs free. The eagle soars above the pinion pines. And we know these horses stand for something that is precious and more rare. All the silver and the gold from them old mines So let them run Let them run Let them wild ponies run Don't you brand them, don't
you break a bone. 